0: Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised.
1: advised. Case file 30, the Texas Bluebeard. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back. Another week. To the podcast, the Lone Star 187. I hope you missed us as much as we missed y'all. What the hell? What'd you say? I said, why am I talking like that? I don't know. All right. Did you have
0: your game show voice on?
1: Yes. (laughs) Welcome back. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right. So, so are you ready for our case this week? I'm so excited. So this story idea or the information from Murderpedia, which is my favorite place to get stories from. Um, and this happened in the 30s. So this was back in 1938. But all of this took place in a town called Elmendorf, Texas, which is in Bear County. It's south. In 2010, the population was 1,488. It was founded in 1885. And the town was named after the former mayor, whose last name was Elmendorf. So thus the name. So the reason why, let's talk about what happened in this town that brought everyone's attention there. So, it was the 30s. So, let's talk about this person. His name, his name was Joseph Douglas Ball. He was born in January of 1896, and he was the second of eight children that were uh, born to Elizabeth and Frank X Ball. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Ball family was one of the founding families of Elmendorf. Frank Built the first cotton gin in the town. He used his earnings and invested heavily in real estate. So they were very prominent people in the in the city. But there's not a lot known about Joe and his childhood, other than a few stories that were told by his relatives. He preferred to to be uh, alone. He wasn't like a like his dad, where he was very social and everything like that. He did love guns and was said to be an excellent marksman. He was capable of shooting a bird. Off a telephone line with a pistol from the bumper of his Model A Ford, and that was quoted by his nephew, Bucky Ball. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Bucky's his n- nickname. Um, and as Joe grew up, he worked for his dad most of the time, running the family business. Um, but on in April of 1917, he decided to enlist and um, go to the war. So, go to the war. <laughs>
0: I'm just going to go to the war. Let's real just quick. get in the
1: car and go to the war. It's just a day trip. Not I'll be big back. Deal. I'll be back. Don't worry. So, and it wasn't like he had to, this was his choice. Um, so, he was the first citizen of this city, Elmendorf, to enlist. Um, he, he served on the front lines and was um, honorably discharged in 1919. When he came back home, he continued to work for his his father. He married a woman named Clara Christina Wayne on April 21st in 1921, but the marriage was very short-lived. And this might not be Wayne. It might be Wane. I don't know, W-A-H-N-E. This was his first wife. It was short-lived, but he continued to work in the family business for another year until Prohibition offered a more financially lucrative vocation. Can you guess what that might be? He said Prohibition? Yep. Was that selling alcohol? Mm Mm-hmm. So he became a bootlegger, and he ran whiskey and beer to everyone in the town and most of southeastern Bear County. Just, people just wanted to have you fun. You know? So he sold his illegal uh, wine and beer from a 50-gallon barrel did in did the back make, of his Model A. Did he make it himself? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> awesome? Eventually, Prohibition came to a close around the end of 1933. So he took some of the money that he had made bootlegging and built a bar called sociable in and he used his knowledge of alcohol and he turned that into a booming business he really really loved women Um, and he wasn't super attractive based on what people say about him but for some reason women just were really really drawn to him he made alcohol well there's that
0: in the prohibition (laughs) and he owned a bar
1: this is quoted from one of his friends that said He wasn't near as good looking as they describe in those detective magazines, Um, and he could be very dangerous. In the mid-20s, Ball began hiring off and on a young black man named Clifton Wheeler to help around the house and the business. Wheeler was a handyman, and he did a lot of Ball's annual labor and dirty work, according to many, where Wheeler lived in fear of Ball. But other people say that Ball was always kind-hearted, so there's a lot of conflicting Maybe it just depended on who you were, or maybe people are just still afraid. Mm-hmm. Some people are still afraid to be honest about how he really was. So the reason why I'm using the Texas Monthly story is because they actually went and got the true facts to try to get the truth out of what really happened and try to discern how much of it is legend and how and how much of it is really true. Um, it was difficult for them because most everyone has passed away. So he had to find some of the family members, which is why they interviewed Joe's nephew, Bucky, Mm -hmm. um, because the sheriffs that were involved, they're passed away and nobody can find Wheeler. Nobody where he knows where he is. He's obviously dead by now, but so it was really hard to get the information. So that's why I'm, because when I started out, I was like, Oh my God, did this really happen? But then as I got through it, I thought, okay, well it's possible, but I'll let you guys decide. Okay. There were some times where he would uh, give money to some of the, uh, Mexican American people in the community to help them buy clothes and food for their children. So there are people saying that he was really, really good-hearted, but then other people were lived in fear of him. So I guess it just depends on.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's just like when you look at the Mexican cartel, right? Like they they completely take over Mexico. They pay the the police, they pay the judges, they do what they want, but they also give to children. They don't want children to go hungry. You That's know? true. So, I mean, I would still be fearful of them because in my position, I wouldn't be depending on who you are would depend on if you were fearful
1: for, or appreciative of him right? or what your relationship is with them. Right. Agreed. Yeah. So ultimately he opened up this tavern. They call it a tavern. It's sociable. And, um, and in the back were two bedrooms and up front was a bar. Uh, it had a player, piano and a room with tables uh, where men sat and drank and played card, played cards. Uh, sometimes ball hosted cockfights. Oh. Yeah. I said that. Oh. Uh, at some point he went to one of the nearby low water areas, uh, where alligators were occasionally seen. He caught some, put them in a concrete pool behind the tavern. He strung wire 10 foot high around the pool. The alligators couldn't get out. Uh, perhaps he loved alligators or maybe he just knew how to bring in customers It was common knowledge that every Saturday night, a drunken orgy occurred. Oh. Um, And I don't mean like that kind of, I don't think they're quoting, talking about that kind of orgy. I think they're saying people would show up and he would feed stray cats or dogs to the alligators and people would watch. In fact, some people would bring stray animals for him to use to feed to the alligators. That is
0: so awful. It says
1: any wild animal, possum, cat, dog, or any other animal without an owner helped make the show a little better get drunk, throw an animal in, and watch the alligators.
0: That is so awful.
1: Yes. Um, He hired women, dance hall girls, to wait tables. It was a depression as well, so it was hard times, and women came through Elmendorf looking for work. Some stayed, and some just seemed to disappear. So there's also a documentary that I watched. Um, I don't remember who did it. We'll provide the links, and I'll give those people credit, but they, they interview his nephew, Bucky. Um, and what Bucky was saying is that Joe had people that worked for him that he would assign them to go to the bus station and watch people. Because he said, if people get off the bus and they just start walking, then they know where they're going and they're not new to the town or they have a plan. If they get off the bus and they look around, they're new. So if they get off the bus and they look around and they're women, approach them and tell them that I have a job for them. Wow. So his Very friends smart. would go and get, go to the bus, watch the bus station. And when people, when women would get off the Greyhound bus and he could tell that they were new, they would be brought to the tavern and he would hire, hire them. Very smart. Yes. So one of the uh, waitresses that he really liked, her name uh, was Hazel Brown. She favors the black Dahlia when you see pictures of her. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So before Hazel, he had fallen for other waitresses. Um, in 1934 or so, he met a woman from Seguin named Minnie Gothard. Her nickname was Big Minnie. She was, according to everybody, a bossy, displeasing, and obnoxious person. But Joe liked her. She ran the bar with him, and she ran the bar with him and Wheeler, and it had no fear of the drunk people that were there. At some point, though. Ball began seeing other barmaids. Um, he was also uh, dating one by the name of Dolores Goodwin, whose nickname was Buddy.
0: And this is while he was dating Big Men, mm-hmm.
1: too? Yes. Okay. But Dolores was really, really in love with Joseph. Like she fell in love with him hearts. She really, I don't think the other two did, but she really did love him. Even after one night it was said that. In the spring of 1937, he threw a bottle and hit her in the face, which gave her a scar that ran from her eye down to her neck. Oh, dang. Yes. So, Hazel Hazel Brown's nickname was Shotzi. I don't know why, but anyway, that was her nickname. You can see how it would be confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was dating Dolores. He was having something on the side with Shotzi and was previously married, but, you know, that one didn't really last. Shotzi was younger than Dolores. So maybe that's why he was attracted to her. I don't really know. Um, But Big Minnie could tell that something was going on and she didn't like it. She was like, I don't like it and I'm not afraid to let you guys know that I don't like it. So she was very vocal about leave her alone.
0: And and what makes it even worse is that all these people work together.
1: Yes. So So they're together all the time.
0: Okay, I'm dating you and I have an inkling you might be dating them or fooling with them. But then I go to work and it's obvious that. Well, and
1: there's nothing else to do there. Like this is during the depression, they're there to work. It's a bar, so you go to work and you deal with the drunks. You go home and go to bed, and you probably get up and go to the bar again. It probably opens as soon as you as soon as you wake up and get to work. The bar's probably open again, so they're together all the time. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget that he was in the war. Right, and so he probably has PTSD. And back then, I don't think they did anything for them. I mean, minding? now we barely do a good job. We're trying. We're getting better. I seriously doubt that he was on any medication for it, or mm-hmm. I don't even think they acknowledged. I don't think so. What you went through when you came back after, you know, living like was through just how all you of that were after the yeah. it's just who you were. You just weren't the same person, which is what is pretty consistent. So that summer, which was the th- uh, the summer, the summer <laughs> of thirty seven. The summer of 1937, Big Minnie disappeared. Ball told police that she was pregnant in a Corpus Christi hospital. Um, and his friend Wheeler heard Bell tell someone that she was going to have a mixed baby. Okay. So he's saying she must have skipped town in a big hurry, though, because she left all of her clothes behind. So she was Caucasian and this baby was going to be well, That's American. That is what Ball told people, but how did he know that? Yeah. Right? True. Yeah. Um, I think he's just trying to explain that she, he didn't want people trying to figure out where she really was. Okay. And for some reason, he made it known that she left all of her clothes behind. So in September, Ball married Dolores. Maddied? Maddied. Uh, so he married Dolores. After they got married, he revealed a secret to her. And his secret was that he had taken Minnie to the beach and killed her. He killed her Mm -hmm. at the beach and he told her, you don't have to worry. She's not going to make any more trouble for them. Fast forward to January of 1938, not fast forward back. So in January of 1938, uh, Dolores was in a car. She was driving and she uh, was signaling a turn. So she stuck her arm out of the window of the car. And I guess when she was turning, misjudged and had... There was a truck with... A giant truck with cedar post on it that they used to make fences. And so it took her arm off. So she was missing an arm? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of her left arm. Of course, rumors flew around the town that Ball's crazed alligator tore off her arm. And... No, actually, it had torn her arm off and he threw it in and fed it to the alligators. Which isn't true because... She was in a wreck and there was evidence of that. So in April, his wife, Dol- Dolores disappears. Okay. But by then, by April, he was seeing Hazel. So when he's, he wasn't really concerned that she left because he was already seeing somebody else. So in 1934, he became involved with the barmaid Minnie. Okay. okay? In the summer of 1937, he was involved with Dolores and Hazel. So, at that point, he was just w- involved with Dolores and Hazel. In September of 1937, he married Dolores. In summer of 1937, he was involved with both Dolores and Hazel. And then in September of 37 he married Dolores. But at that point, Minnie was already disappeared. And it says that he... We've already established that he killed someone, right? Yeah. Yes. He killed Minnie. He told yep. Dolores yep. after they married that he, he killed He killed Minnie in June of 1937. Okay. Okay. And then... In September and He married Dolores and told her that he killed Minnie. Okay. And then the following um, year is whenever And then Dolores told Hazel, Hey, oh the yeah. Dolores because they're friends, Dolores tells Hazel so Minnie was the one that was really jealous. Okay. Okay. Uh Dolores tells Hazel, Hey, Joe told me that he killed Minnie. Although at the time Dolores didn't know that Joe was also having an affair with Hazel. Hazel. Does that kind of make it a little bit easier? Yeah. In, on September 23rd, of 1938, a, an old man approached a Bear County sheriff by the name of John Gray, uh, who was dove hunting in Elmendorf, and told him about a foul-smelling barrel covered in flies that Joe Ball had left behind his sister's barn. Yeah. He said that it smelled like uh, something dead was inside. Enough women in Ball's world had disappeared that the next day, uh, Gray and another deputy, John Clevenhagen, drove out to talk to him. They went to the barn, but the stinky barrel was gone. So they drove to the bar around noon and talked to Ball. Um, Of course, he denied knowing anything about it. But when they returned to the barn, his sister corroborated the old man's story. And at that point, that was enough for them to take him in for questioning. Did um, she say
0: where the barrel
1: was? mm Doesn't say that. They told him, we're going to take you in for questioning. He said, well, before we do that, I need to go back to the bar, get the money out of my register, and close everything up. And they said, okay. So they went back. The three of them turned, returned to the bar. The sheriff's and, uh, the two sheriff's and Joe returned to the bar. So Ball got a beer out and took a few sips and went to his register, opened it, pulled out a forty-five from under the counter, waved it at the two sheriffs who yelled don't. They went for their own pistol, just as ball turned and pointed it at his heart. He pulled the trigger and fell dead on the barroom floor. the barroom floor. coward. Yeah. Don't they, their families in the world deserve a reason why you did that? I would say of course they do. I mean, of course they deserve to know what happened to their sister, daughter, cousin, aunt, whatever, right? At this point, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm just going to go back to, I don't think he was in his right mind, I'm not defending him, but I mean, he served time. He went to the war and his family said he wasn't the same. And I think whenever shit hit the fan, that was his way of dealing with stuff. I'm not saying it's right, but mm-hmm. maybe that's what he was thinking. Fair enough. And rather than try to justify to himself or other people, why he did what he did, it was just easier to be a coward and shoot yourself for other deputies. Um, showed up at the tavern. They went and found five gators in the pond in the back. There were one large one and four small, uh which was surrounded by rotting meat. Uh, they found an axe matted with blood and hair. Their first theory was an obvious one, right? That the that the drunk had killed and mutilated his wife and other victims and fed him to the alligators.
0: I was gonna say I'm sure he didn't take anybody to the beach. Okay. Unless the beach means the lagoon outside that's filled with <laughs>
1: alligators. So the cops talked about other disappearances, including two missing barmaids and a 16-year-old boy who hung out at Joe's. Perhaps the Saturday night feeding frenzies had just been a cover for Sunday night murders. Oh. Uh, maybe the old bootlegging barrels now held alligator food. But then, remember his friend Wheeler? Mm-hmm. He was taken into the sheriff's office to San Antonio spilled the beans. Um, So basically what he said is that, so Hazel fell in love with someone else who was a customer at the bar, a guy with a good home and a good job. So she wanted out, but Ball wouldn't hear of it. When she threatened to tell the police about Big Minnie, he killed her, killed her dead. And the handyman knew exactly where her body was. So he took the sheriffs back to Elmendorf, about three miles from town on a bluff that was about 300 feet from the San Antonio River. They began to dig. uh, Blood bubbled up in the dirt, and the odor became unbearable. Um, He pulled up two arms and two legs, and finally a torso.
0: Uh,
1: It said the sight and the smell were so bad that the sightseers ran in all directions, throwing up. Wheeler, uh, they asked him where where her head was, and he pointed to the remains of another campfire, and after care- careful sifting the cops found her jawbone some teeth and some pieces of skull that had once that was
0: so he like decapitated her and buried her head somewhere else
1: he didn't bury her head they burned it in the campfire they cut her body up and buried her and then took her head over to they built a campfire and and burn it
0: burned her head yeah buried her body but burned her head yeah and I, when you I... say they you mean his
1: his friend helped him He made his friend help him. Well, this is what his friend's saying. So sick. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, So, Wheelers explained, after a night of heavy drinking, Ball asked him to load up the car with blankets and beer, and Joe brought a saw and an axe and a post hole digger with him, as well as his pistol. They went to his sister's barn, stopping along the way to drink, and then picked up the 55-gallon iron barrel, which they took to the river. Ball forced Wheeler at gunpoint to dig a grave. Then they opened the barrel out. Of course, Brown's body was in this barrel.
0: So that barrel that the old man saw was her body and they didn't find it because he had buried it.
1: Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Um, uh, Wheeler refused to help uh, Ball dismember her. So he tried to do it himself, but he got really pissed off because he couldn't get it done. So he actually reached over and grabbed Wheeler and, put Wheeler's hand on her body to force him to help dismember her. Wheeler said they both got sick to their stomachs, so they kept drinking more beer, and then they finally buried her. Then they threw the, her head as well as her clothes on the campfire, stayed there until dawn, and then drank some more beer and then drove back to the bar.
0: Well, I'm sure it was disgusting enough to dismember her, but then to smell her burning oh, head. I, I don't think I could.
1: I know God. I couldn't. I would. I don't even I don't like to smell burnt hair. That makes me nauseous. The rest of it, I just...
0: And the body head was already rotting. Yes. That is so gross.
1: Uh, Wheeler also solved the mystery of Big Minnie. The previous June, Ball told Wheeler to pack the Model A and be sure to stow plenty of whiskey and beer. Then he took Minnie and Wheeler to Ingleside, which is near Corpus Christi. Uh, He found a secluded area and after a little swimming and a lot of drinking, asked Minnie to take her clothes off. He told Wheeler to make herself scarce, but then Ball called for more whiskey. So when a Wheeler came to bring him more whiskey, he noticed that he had his pistol by his side. By his side, Ball pointed off in the distance. When Minnie turned her head to look, he shot her in the temple. Oh. Wheeler was shocked, but Ball told him he had no choice. She was pregnant; she had to die. She—they had to bury her. They buried her in the sand and then drove back to Elmendorf. So because she
0: was pregnant with his child and he didn't want kids, he killed her? What an asshole.
1: hmm The police, police questioned Wheeler about other women and they found a packet of letters as well as a scrapbook with photos of dozens of women. Deputy Sheriff Davis said that that might lead to the, the discovery of one or a dozen more murders. Um, the San Antonio papers wrote of the disappearance of more than a dozen barmaids, including Stella, who had had a fight with Ball and Big Minnie. Uh, the sheriffs also had a theory that Ball was dealing narcotics and that would have been a simple matter to put the dope in bottles and store it in the where the gators were. So three days after Ball's suicide, obviously the police are digging in the sand uh, in Ingleside. They took heavy machi- machinery and hired local laborers and people with nothing better to do. Sometimes hundred, hundreds of them came and watched. A local merchant set up a stand and began selling cold drinks. So
0: they found Big Minnie, and they have found Hazel, but Dolores is still missing.
1: That's correct. Okay. Okay. Excitement in Rubens ran high. Uh, I'm not going to
0: lie. I'd be out there buying a cold drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be this close because it looks like they're looking into the hole. I, yeah, I don't know.
0: I'd be right up there. <laughs>
1: And so at this point, you know, they're suspicious of all the dunes. Because at this point, everything looks like a, like a, there could be a body buried there, right? Yeah, yeah. So finally, around, on October 14th, they found the remains of Big Minnie. um, Well preserved in the deep cold sand. So she was really deep. Meanwhile, the police had located Buddy in San Diego.
0: Oh, so she's alive. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, thank
1: God. She fled from her husband and went to be with her sister. Uh, two weeks later, the the two sheriff uh, brought her to San Antonio. On the way, they stopped in Phoenix and found one of the women listed as missing from the tavern. Buddy later said that Wheeler told her that on her last night on Earth, Shotzi, who didn't know Buddy was in San Diego, had, had accused Ball of killing her just as he had killed Big Minnie. Shotzi badgered Ball until he flew into a rage. After a while, said Buddy, Joe hit her with his pistol, and I—I I imagine that that killed her. He shot her too, just to make sure. Yeah.
0: What a piece of shit.
1: <laughs> the alligators—they took the alligators to the San Antonio Zoo, and Wheeler received two years in jail as an accessory.
0: Two years. Uh, yeah. For cutting up. Now I know he was forced at gunpoint.
1: Yeah, and this—remember, this was like That's in the true. thirty, like in nineteen thirty-eight.
0: The fact that he even served time is amazing.
1: I agree. He got out and opened his own bar in town, but he soon had to leave um, because of like, he he couldn't go anywhere without being harassed, right? So he left and was never heard from again. And at that point, the legend of Joe Ball just bloomed. The The press had a field day. There was evidently something in a magazine called True Detective, which they call the monthly Bible of sordid true crime. We need to find some old episodes yeah, of do. that. That would be cool, I think. They found his story irresistible and wouldn't let it go. And they kept going back to the city to try to get all of the the information. And they called him a murderous ladies' man. (laughs) Hungry gators sold magazines. Just did bald, used them to sell beer. But the facts in the story sometimes came from the writer's imagination. One of his friends said, My father called them once and asked, Where did you get all these stories? Bucky's aunt, which was Joe's sister, tried to sue True Detective several times for their imaginative versions of her of his uncle, but he doesn't know if she ever collected any money. He said she didn't need the money. Their family was very wealthy since, you I'm know, sure. they started all of this, the, the cotton gin and all of that mm-hmm. and, you know, very businesslike. So they brought a lot of stuff over, brought a lot of money into the community. So a lot of other magazines picked up the story and so did books like there's a, he's in one of the books called The Encyclopedia of Serial Killers and America's Most Vicious Criminals. And of course, if you go on the internet, they call him the Alligator Man, the Bluebeard of South Texas. You know what Bluebeard is, right? Mm-mm. It's rich men who marry women and then kill them, and then marry someone and then kill them. That's so, really scary that they have a term. Yeah, they have a term for it. It's some bullshit, isn't it? So, of course, every time someone told the story, they added more hype to it and and got really... uh, In fact, even on Murderpedia, it's wrong. They said that his handyman was a different name, like Wilfred Sneed. They don't even know who that is. I referenced the letter, the packet of letters. Mm -hmm. One of the letters was from Big Minnie telling him, I am still willing to to break up you and Buddy, even if it's the last thing I do. Uncle Henry and I are going to take you to jail as soon as he gets here. I'm going to testify as to what I know. It doesn't say anything else. So what does she know about what? The bodies, the alligators, like what?
0: Right. Because she was the first one to be killed. Mm -hmm. So that we know of.
1: Right. In that
0: town, at least. Right. That that group of women. So how many others were there? I mean, did he ever threaten her and tell her, you know, I've done this That's true. You know,
1: and I'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not afraid. And so there was also a tale that, uh, there was a man who stumbled into the bar, went outside where the alligators were and claimed that he saw Ball pitching a woman's body into the pool. Ball threatened the man into leaving um, and the man left to California and returned only after Ball was killed when he killed himself. Other people say they saw Ball throw a piece of human flesh into the pit. Ultimately it's impossible to, to know for sure Yeah. because even though most of the women missing women were accounted for, Some never were.
0: Maybe that's why he killed himself. Is because, I mean, if his family started so much in that town, despite his actions, I'm sure he didn't want to shame his family any more than he knew he already had. Yeah. So if he dies right there, then it's unanswered questions.
1: He seemed like a really intelligent man. Mm -hmm. I mean, he got a lot of business sense from his family. You know, he seemed like a he wanted to serve his country. Like, that was a, he volunteered for that. It wasn't like you have to go enlist. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was the first person in that city to enlist. So maybe he just lost himself over there and maybe he couldn't help it. You know, maybe. It sounded like he had a really bad temper. And even though, so there were, there were no human remains found in the alligator pond. Of course, that doesn't mean he didn't clean them up, but, and even though Wheeler, um, Never said anything about the alligators. That didn't mean he didn't know how to keep his mouth shut Mm -hmm. when 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 it's time. So Buddy tried to set the record straight in a 1957 interview. This is Dolores, right? Remember Mm -hmm. they found her. She said, Joe never put, I'm going to quote this, Joe never put no people in that alligator tank. (laughs) Joe wouldn't do a thing like that. He was no horrible monster. Joe was a sweet, kind, good man, and he never hurt nobody unless he was driven to it. Someone mentioned the scar on her face. And she said, he didn't He didn't mean to cut me. He was throwing a bottle at another guy. There were just two murders. She said, I don't think those alligators ate a human body of any kind. Well, and, of course, his nephew, Bucky, agrees. He doesn't, He. I mean, obviously.
0: But if he didn't, then why did he kill himself?
1: That's the question,
0: you know. Right. And if you think about it, like in the war, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to war. He was on the front line. These. So- these people are doing something that we don't like so our what we do is we get rid of them so he comes back with that same philosophy mm-hmm. i like this girl i'm dating her she's trying to cause trouble so just like in the war i'll just get rid of her because that's what we do mm-hmm. we send these young men to war and we teach them that
1: get kill rid the of the enemy them.
0: that's what you do you kill if they're going to hurt you you kill them and mm-hmm. i believe in war i know that there are times when it's needed i'm not saying that it shouldn't right. be if he came back carrying that mentality, his
1: family, like, um, you can watch the documentary. His, his nephew says that his, his dad, brother. Yes. Said that whenever Joe came back from the war, he was never the same. He was not the same person. I mean,
0: you're, you're killing people every day, all day long. You're shooting. You don't even know if you're killing them or not. Sometimes you see people fall. Sometimes you don't. So you have to come back with some being messed up at some point point. In some way because you just took people's lives. yeah that's your job is to kill people and then and you come home and we don't know at the time what kind of like we do now what war does to those mm-hmm. men and women and how they react and how they when they take that home how they can they compartmentalize it or can they not are they can make it past it or can they not we don't know what he went through in the war and then he's there And then there's these women, so obviously he wasn't around women right? when he was in the Mm -hmm. war. Probably not. Because women weren't in the war yet, I don't Mm -hmm. believe. It doesn't sound, because he was so kind-hearted, it doesn't sound like he just had a a thrive to kill. I think the war probably changed him. And it was just easier for him to kill those that got in his way.
1: Yeah. His nephew, Bucky, um, said that he has to have a sense of humor about the tail and all of that because it's black in his family name he said and he really doesn't have a choice really what else can you do mm-hmm. you either try to defend them or you just have a sense of humor so you can live you know move on but bucky had a funny story that when he was in training he uh, trained with the green berets in north carolina in 1959 one of his friend's mother who lived in new jersey and knew bucky's last name sent her son a comic book that told the horrifying tale of Joe Ball and the alligators.
0: Oh, man.
1: Looked at his friend and said, that was my uncle.
0: Oh, my gosh. How embarrassing.
1: <laughs> he said, that guy's eyes got as big as houses. This friend of mine saw me and said, hey, did you bring your alligator with you? So people people are going to have a sense of humor. Right. And honestly, there is no proof that he fed human flesh or people to the alligators. If that's what he did, why would he go all the way to Ingleside and bury a woman? And why would he bury the other woman somewhere there in the town that he lived in?
0: And why would he need help dismembering the body? Exactly. He'd probably be an expert. At so this point. I
1: think I think it's cool. It, it makes good. for a good story. Right. I agree. And um, I don't think that happened. I don't think so. Either. I don't think it did. I, I think I can understand. I can see how people would go there. Well, and it, like you
0: said, it makes for a good story. It's yes. interesting. It makes it sound better.
1: Here, So there was a movie made. So in 1976, there was a movie called Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper, T-O-B-E. He's the same guy that also made the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So yeah. he heard about this story, and I think maybe he helped this whole legend live on. So he's got several nicknames: Butcher of Elmendorf.
0: Oh, makes that sound what it, a that's, lot that's, creepier. Yeah,
1: that's what they called him. Uh, AK. That's his alias on the murderpedia. Um, the Bluebeard of South Texas, uh, Alligator Man. In the beginning, I was like, "Oh my God! He fed his alligators. He fed his murder victims to the alligator. That's that's crazy." Like that could only happen in Texas. Yeah. So as I started reading, I was like, "Oh my God, I've I've actually bought in to the folklore because I was believing everything I read." And then I found the Texas Monthly article, and and then even before I got way through the article, I thought, "Well, if if he had been doing that, why would he risk getting caught mm-hmm. by burying them and forcing his handyman to help him? I mean, I mean, he knew that his handyman was going to rat him out. Right. Right. That's probably the other reason why." He decided to just commit suicide. Yeah. And maybe he was already thinking of committing suicide. Maybe. You know, I mean, he probably had PTSD. He wasn't he drank all the time. He worked at a bar. Yeah. That that was his life. The bar was his life. He was not really close to his family. I mean, they were in a different type of business, and that's not what he did, you know? So he was a loner, he owned this bar, he was able to be successful financially. So it wasn't that. Just wasn't the same anymore. Right. So who's to say that he wasn't already contemplating suicide and this just gave him, it's just pushed him over the edge. Yeah. Because how quick on his feet is he to say, well, I need to go back to my bar before you take me in for questioning. Because he knew if he got to the police station, he wouldn't have the opportunity. Right. 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 And then at that point, he'd have to answer to what he did. And maybe he didn't, maybe he had a hard time with it already. We don't know. I mean, he did it, but that doesn't mean it was easy for him to live with after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, he seemed okay. He told his wife, Dolores, hey, I did it. We don't have to worry about her anymore. So it didn't seem like he was remorseful. So I don't know. It's, it seems a little bit all over the place, but clearly he killed them. I believe he killed both of them. He said he did. His friend, you know, backed his story and said, he made me do it. Um, but he loved him some women, and he loved to shoot. And he liked alcohol. Wow. So, kind of exciting, a it's little different. Of, yeah, different, and crazy. Different.
0: And I like the older ones. Just me because too. They're interesting. You know, that, I, mean, I was
1: having a hard time finding a story, and I saw this one, and I thought I have to do it because it seems like there's just more crazy shit going on with the older ones, like the people sitting around. Like we'll put the pictures on there. They're just sitting around a hole, and you can tell about their faces, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, there's about a little to look girl at... there. That's and crazy. I, just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. That is the story of Joseph D. Ball. Rest in peace, Hazel and Big Minnie. Big Minnie. Baby Joe. That's it. That's a wrap. All right. We love you guys. Time. Thanks for listening and share the stories. Thanks for supporting us.
0: All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.